0: Is Enton live, or I, uh, is he listening to me? All right, Brian Enton is coming up for Ashley Banfield. Thanks for watching.
1: Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to Banfield. I'm Brian Enton for Ashley tonight. Again, we did not expect it. But there was another document dump in the Brian Koberger case today. And I hate to even use the phrase document dump this time because it was actually just four pages uh, that came down today. But it was an important four pages. New information, new info about the alibi. And they gave details this time. Koberger's lawyers are now saying where he was during the murders. And I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with his white Elantra, they say. We will break down what they are calling an alibi. That is coming up in just a minute. Plus, uh, we are continuing our coverage of the shocking case coming out of Oregon, where a man is accused of kidnapping a woman 450 miles away from his home, bringing her back to his garage, where a makeshift cinder block cell was waiting. There he is, and there's the cell does not get much more disturbing than that. He is accused of kidnapping her, chaining her up, sexually assaulting her. Well, new tonight, we are going to hear from the neighbors. They say they felt like something was not right with this guy. They weren't even surprised by this. You're gonna hear them explain uh, coming up. Also, can you imagine the trauma that the victim is going through who was locked inside that cell? Imagine. Living through that, truly unimaginable. The former uh, personal therapist for J.C. Dugard, who was also kidnapped by a sex offender, she is going to join me live uh, in just a bit, explain how you begin to recover from something like that. Uh, And later, did prison officials release a serial killer into the public? That is the question in Portland, Oregon. Six bodies have been found over three months, and police say the person of interest in the case was released from prison two years ago. Imagine how outraged the families are about that. The sisters of one of the potential victims will join us live coming up later in the show. But we begin tonight with breaking news from Moscow, Idaho. It is the single biggest question hanging over defense attorneys in the Idaho quadruple murder case. Brian Koberger has claimed to have an alibi, but what is it? Prosecutors say they have a right to know, and tonight the defense has finally responded with some new details. It is a bombshell new defense filing in just a little while ago. It states Mr. Koberger has long had a habit of going for drives alone. Often he would go for drives at night. He did so late on November 12th and into November 13th, 2022, Mr. Koberger is not claiming to be at a specific location at a specific time. At this time, there is not a specific witness to say precisely where Mr. Koberger was at each moment of the hours between late November 12, 2022 and early morning, November 13, 2022. He was out driving during the late night and early morning hours of November 12th to November 13th, 2022. So he was out for a long drive. These four pages, uh, they don't give any evidence to back that up. But there was one line that stood out to me. It says, Mr. Koberger has indicated he anticipates corroborating witnesses. So maybe there are witnesses. They may have witnesses waiting. Maybe there aren't witnesses. We don't know that part yet. Uh, they didn't fill us in there. But apparently they are claiming the alibi is he was out driving during that time. Joining me now with their insights on all of this, criminal trial attorney and News Nation legal analyst, Sarah Azari. She also has a weekly podcast called The Presumption. And Dave Ehrenberg, state attorney for Palm Beach County and a former assistant attorney general. We've got a great panel tonight, Sarah and Dave. I want to start with you, Sarah. I mean, out driving. They say Mm -hmm. that he was out driving around. I mean, what do you make of it? I guess I was just expecting something more than that.
2: Well, I'm sorry you're disappointed, Brian, but look, Ann Taylor's all business. She's not, she's no games here. And I think we're used to seeing an alibi in the traditional sense where it is, I was here at this time and these are the people that can corroborate it. That's not what she's doing. Um, what stood out to me. Uh, is that there is this new information, and we know that she's saying he was alone. Uh, translation, there is nobody nobody that corroborates you know, where he was, what he was doing at this time, and that she was driving around. That's key, because should those cell pings, the movement of the car, the data from the phone, in fact check out and be reliable forensic evidence, then he doesn't have to deny that it was him driving that Elantra. He could just say that still is insufficient to place me in this party house and put a knife in my hand. So I think those two terms were really significant in terms of the new information. And again, I think, you know, alibi under Idaho code doesn't necessarily have to be, I was there, I, I was with this person at this time. Cause remember in this case, the 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 time the timestamps go far beyond the 15 minute window around the murder. So for him to be able to get a gazillion terabytes of information and go through all of this with the delay and then be able to say where he was exactly at a specific time is impossible. Uh, at this, and, you know, they're pressing Ann Taylor saying, "Where's the alibi? Where's the alibi? Where's?" This? She's like, "Here's fine. This is what he was doing. He was driving, and and that's as much as we can tell you at this point."
1: Okay, so he was driving around. They say we know there were cell phone pings which I guess could go along with this driving around alibi. But Dave, my question is, remember, they said that the phone, that his phone was turned off during the time of the murders. So if they're going to say he was driving around, how do they then explain why the phone was mysteriously turned off just at the time when the murders happened?
3: Yeah, such a criminology expert this defendant is, huh? He he turns off his phone during the murders and expects to get away with it because of it. How will they find me? My phone was turned off. Well, the stuff in Ann Taylor's document, her pleading, is not inconsistent with what happened. Uh, with This is what she said, as you quoted, that he would go on drives at night, and he did so late on November 12th and into November 13th. Well, that is still consistent with slaughtering those innocent Victims. He could have been driving late on November twelfth, stopped at the house in the wee hours, and then drove back. So it's not inconsistent. But the whole purpose of this alibi requirement under Idaho law is to avoid trial by ambush. You want to give prosecutors a chance to track down the witnesses so that Coburger doesn't show up the day of trial and says, Here it is, here's Uncle Stewie. I was at his house with him. That's not fair. And they didn't give any uh, witnesses, because there are no witnesses. He's just going to say he was by himself that night. How convenient.
1: Sarah, I remember you told me early on, I remember you said this, you said this on mm-hmm. the show, that you thought the biggest issue for the defense was that the phone was turned off. You found that that was a problem. Um, mm-hmm. It still doesn't seem like they can explain that. They can say he was driving around, but uh, you know, how do you look past the fact that the phone was turned off?
2: I thought you're going to cross examine me. Yeah, I still stand by what yeah. I said. I think that's always the bad fact when a phone is on consistently and then is suddenly off. Um, that to me is far worse than, you know, some of the stuff we hear about the uh, touch DNA, for example, at the scene. Um, I think we need to know a lot more about the cell data. Uh, again, to be able to put this into context. I think prosecutors always, Dave may, may be the exception, but prosecutors always come yeah. with hand-picked, cherry-picked pieces of evidence and information. And we then come in with a bigger context. And so without really seeing what the cell data is like, you know, I can't really say how bad it is that his phone is
1: off, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. What, what, yeah, we're not getting the full picture, obviously. Dave, the, right. there was a line I highlighted in this new document. Mr. Koberger has indicated he anticipates corroborating witnesses. So they're not telling us who the witnesses are. What do you think that means, Dave? I mean, is there going to be some surprise witness who says, I saw him driving around and he wasn't at the house?
3: I think that the defense lawyer wants to have it both ways. They're required to provide the names and addresses of the witnesses, and instead they have none, but they're leaving the door open saying, well, there could be some, if we find some, if someone wants to come forward and say that they were with my client. So they wanna have it both ways, but they're violating the rule by not providing the names and addresses. Now here's the thing that I think Sarah and I can agree on is that even if they violated the rule and didn't provide the names and addresses as required, The judge is still going to allow a last minute alibi witness in the interest of justice. The tie always goes to the defendant and then some. Mm. Interesting. I also
2: think at one point, I I also think the way that I read it was that what what Ann Taylor's saying is that had you given us the opportunity at a prelim to cross-examine your witnesses, we could potentially corroborate that he was driving around. I I read it to mean not necessarily that the defense will bring in new witnesses, but that in the process of the trial and cross-examination, they might be able to corroborate this uh, quote-unquote alibi.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point there. You could tell that um, the defense was annoyed... That they didn't get the preliminary hearing. I mean, they thought they were gonna get the prelim. There was a secret grand jury happening that no one knew about. I want to read this part um that you referred to, Sarah. It says corroboration of Brian Koberger not being at 1122 King may be brought out through cross-examination of the state's witnesses. At this time, Mr. Koberger cannot be more specific about the possible witnesses and exactly what they will say. Had the state moved forward with the preliminary hearing, the defense would have had the opportunity to develop testimony through cross-examination and witness presentation. So, I mean, I get that they're annoyed, Sarah, but, I mean, that's not the way the law works, right? I mean, the prosecution had had an opportunity to the grand jury, and that's what they did. So, like, why even say that in the document?
2: Yeah, and that part of her pleading was a little bit like, wah, wah. Yeah, wah, wah, wah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 you know um dave knows this it's it's absolutely the state's choice whether to go by grand jury um to establish probable cause or do a preliminary hearing and they chose to go by grand jury and i always said why aren't they doing that when are they going to do that you know so it was absolutely their choice but i think the defense is annoyed all together that you are delaying discovery. You are, um, trying to take a peek into essentially our work product to find out who was corroborating witnesses for witnesses are for alibi. And you're trying to violate his sacrosanct right to a speedy trial that he doesn't want to waive. And so sit this one out, you know, prosecutor. And that, that's really what she's saying. She's kind of like, fine. He was driving around. Leave us alone. Yeah,
1: that's how. I- when you mentioned the wah-wah <laughs> attitude. I mean, with with a lot of her filings, I don't know if this is just because there's a gag order, but it's almost like she tries to sort of like paint a picture of the vibe right now or what she's annoyed about or what she wants people to know. Do you know what I mean? Have you gotten that sense, Dave, a little bit like or is that just does this all look normal to you?
3: Oh, she's mad at the prosecutors because they gave her false hope for a while. The prosecutors were going to go through with the preliminary hearing. And Sarah and I were like, why? And then as if they were waiting for her to reach for that dollar bill on the ground, they snatched it away at the last minute. And I think that's what she's upset about was because the prosecutors always had this ability just to go to a secret grand jury. But they were not going to do so until late after she had prepared for the preliminary hearing. So she's going to try to make life a little miserable for the state
1: now. Yeah, I guess that would be annoying if you prepared for that preliminary hearing um and then you find out that that was kind of a waste of time. Sarah, do you think that that this that he was driving around, this new alibi that's come out, he was driving around. Is that it? I mean, is there going to be more to this when we when we have when we see a trial or, or is this is this what we should expect? Like this is what they're going to say. He was just out for this night drive.
2: I mean, look, um it's really nice to be able to stick to a theory of the defense all the way from the beginning through trial. What's important is that at trial, you need to pick it, theory and stick to it but up until trial um it's you know you can throw things at the wall and see what sticks um you might say things because you're under pressure like she is um to just you know get them to back off a little bit um i don't think it's wise because we're all you know all all eyes are on this case and we're trying to read into every document that is posted on the court's website and now she's saying he was driving but look it's possible. You know, I think these two college towns, there was a definite relationship, egress, ingress but between these, uh, you know, these towns. Uh, he lived in that town. Um, and so there, the, these, these college students were socializing back and forth. I don't think it's unusual that he was driving around. It doesn't, It's it, it, you know, it's not like he just decided he can't sleep and started driving around. We don't know where he was driving from, where he was going. Right. It's very vague, right? So She's leaving room to be able to explain this further and flesh it out further. Um, That's how I read it.
1: Dave, if you were the prosecutor on this case, I mean, is there anything that would have you worried at this point? Is there anything that stands out to where you'd be saying, again, there's a lot we don't know, but from just what we know, where you'd be telling your team, look, I think we've got an issue with with this?
3: No, there was the one witness inside the home, a surviving roommate who supposedly had exculpatory evidence, meaning evidence that could— lend uh, towards uh, Koberger's innocence. And that's why they wanted her to testify at the preliminary hearing. And she didn't want to testify for various reasons. I think that was a fabrication in the, in the press. I don't think she really has that kind of evidence that would clear Koberger. But that's the only thing I've seen so far that if it did exist, that could create reasonable doubt. Otherwise, I think that they got this guy
1: dead to rights. It's going to be interesting to see how
2: it what plays about, out. Dave, what about the three unknown male DNA profiles at the scene? What about the fact that it was a party house? What about the fact that eight hours later, the police were called and the house was clean? What about the, the fact that there was... Well you say, a but you say it was DNA.
1: a party house, wouldn't that explain the, all the DNA, though? There's probably all sorts of DNA profiles there. His right, DNA was I mean- on the knife sheath.
2: But one, but that's touch DNA. So that's problematic. Dave knows that. And then there was the one legged situation with the one latent footprint. I mean, what what is that? Like, was somebody hopping around? I mean, it, it's, it, I, I see a lot of problems, but those problems can be awash as we learn more. In this case, if there's more evidence that's reliable that that will withstand the testing in court, then I think, we, you know, we, ha- we can have a better conversation. But right now I see a lot of problems. I see a lot of holes.
1: Well, I think it's a good point you make that we don't have a lot of the information. So it's hard. You can only discuss this so far without knowing everything that they know. Uh, Sarah, Zari, Dave Ehrenberg, you both are, are the greatest. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. This was fun. Thank, thank, thank you. you. All right, coming up, there is new information on the man accused of kidnapping and imprisoning a woman in a cinder block cell in his garage. It is shocking. We first brought you the story last night. Now we've got the neighbors talking about this. They say in some ways they aren't surprised. They had a bad feeling about this guy. You'll hear what they said coming up next.
0: Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third-generation race car driver, and I dedicate a lot of my time going fast. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Visit alz.org slash time to talk, a message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. Community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov.
5: Do you want to make a difference in your community? Volunteer with your local fire department. Operational and non-operational positions are available and training is provided. Anyone can be a volunteer. You just need the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. When your community needs you, will you be there to answer the call? Learn more about volunteering at MakeMeAFirefighter.org. That's MakeMeAFirefighter.org.
4: Thanks for listening to News Nation On The Go. I'm Marnie Hughes, and this is America's fastest-growing cable news network. Together.
0: Juntos. Together. We stand up to cancer. On Saturday, August 19th, join Stand Up To Cancer for all the inspiration. Together, we can stand up for our family and friends and everyone who is battling this disease. Celebrating all the progress and innovation.
6: So just stand up with us.
0: One night to save lives. Join the millions in the fight against cancer. Tune in Saturday, August 19th at 87 Central on ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC. For more ways to watch, visit StandUpToCancer.org.
7: My son Ian was diagnosed with a brain tumor at the age of 16 months. We had no hope until St. Jude rescued us. He's alive because of what St. Jude has done. He's here because of the doctors who came before, their blood, their sweat, their tears, the knowledge accumulated and shared you know with everyone else around the world. This is how we help kids beat cancer all over.
8: Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org.
7: In a single
5: moment, everything can change.
0: a new kind of politics needs a new kind of program you can trust.
3: Welcome to The Hill on News Nation. I'm Leland Hitter.
0: Introducing The Hill.
3: President Mike Pence joins us now. I welcome President Biden taking his record to the
0: American people. B.C.'s President definitive Biden. source for nonpartisan political news. The Hill, weekdays at 5, 4 central on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com.
1: That story we first started covering last night about the woman locked in the sex offender's cell. I mean, it, it doesn't get much more disturbing than that. And now there is new information. Uh, his neighbors are now talking. We're going to get to that in a second. But let me sort of give you the, the backstory again. Naghazi Zaberi uh, is accused of soliciting a woman for prostitution, impersonating a cop, and then tasing that woman and locking her in a cinder block cell in his garage. Luckily, she was able to escape and flag down a passing car for help. Uh, a raid of the suspect's home revealed the makeshift cell and disturbing handwritten notes outlining his demented plans. A history of Zuberi's violence against women seems to now be coming more clear. There is new reporting that the mother of his children sought a restraining order against him in 2020, alleging Zuberi had also physically attacked her. Uh, and threatened their children. Now former neighbors who had lived next to Zuberian in Vancouver, Washington are speaking out and saying that they are not surprised by any of this. Here's what a neighbor named Mark told
5: our news nation affiliate in Portland. I wasn't surprised. Personally, I wasn't surprised. I knew something's going to go down. It was always something left to right going on that didn't feel right. For him, it was more like, you know, I'm I'm the man, I'm taking charge. And so when they when I found out about even like the whole pretending to be a cop and I'm like, that's not surprising from him, you know, because that's probably like I'm like, he he's a con artist.
1: Now, Mark went on to say he actually knew Zuberry uh, by one of his aliases and that neighbors were forced to contact authorities several times for reasons including stacked trash and also aggressive behavior. Police haven't released the name of the woman in the cinder block cell. They attribute her survival to her own quick thinking. She was able to break the metal doors uh, of that cell, actually, break the joints. Her hands were so bloody because she was fighting so hard to break out. Then she got out. She broke into Zuberi's car, was able to grab his gun, uh, and then flee. Can you believe that? I mean, that's unbelievable she was able to save herself, potentially save other women from the same nightmare because now he is behind bars. When asked about her condition, uh, here's what authorities had to say.
4: The victim is strong and courageous, and right now she is physically okay. Um, And we are working with her through our victim services department to make sure that she has whatever resources she needs to continue to be resilient.
1: And joining me now is Dr. Rebecca Bailey, a leading family psychologist and former personal therapist of J.C. Dugard. J.C. was, of course, abducted by a convicted sex offender while walking to the bus stop when she was just 11 years old and remained missing for more than 18 years. Uh, Dr. Bailey, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Um, I mean, you saw those pictures. You heard the description of what that woman went through. I mean, what does it take to overcome something like that emotionally? I'm just, I'm just imagining what she must be going through in this moment.
8: Well, she's already, as we you guys highlighted, amazing, amazing in her ability to think and get out of that circumstances, because we know so many times that that opportunity is so short to get out through that tiny window of escape, and sometimes there isn't even one. So right now, the adrenaline is probably calmed down somewhat. Um, hopefully she is, and it sounds like she is, in a place where people are applauding her strength and making this part of the story about her courageousness. Um, that's what we need to recognize in these situations uh, when someone like this comes through and defeats the odds like this.
1: Does it I mean, affect someone long-term, a situation like this? Is there a way to... Get into therapy right away and and sort of avoid some of the the longer term impacts or no matter what, are you pretty much going to be dealing with this for a long time?
8: You know, I've worked with a variety of people that have come out of situations in different with different um, Options for their recovery, and not everybody needs therapy, and that's the truth. Some people find their therapy hiking in the woods, sitting by the ocean, talking to families, being in church, whatever it is. But the good, the good and bad news is it, it certainly has a place in her nervous system for the rest of her life. It doesn't mean that she has to be activated every time there's a, a bump sound, but but it's important that she honors what she's been through in the way that she honors herself as a hero and then also seeks the thing that helps her the best and of course i believe in therapy as a psychologist i believe in the power of animals hiking all of that but she's not marked for life and that's the truth she's not
1: that's that's good to hear and and you mentioned the word hero i mean the fact that she was able to save herself but but when you think about the fact that this guy had this like little dungeon room built And clearly that wasn't probably just to do this with one person. And you think about how many other people she may have saved by breaking out and getting him caught. Um, I just I hope with someone like her that would maybe bring her some some peace.
8: Absolutely. What she was able to do was access her fight flight. Right. She was able to get out um, of that absolute terror and think and think amazingly and push through and and what always blows my mind for lack of a better word with so many of the survivors is the incredible resiliency and the strive to to thrive um so uh, she has to be applauded and i do have a feeling that there's going to be more people behind behind her we may never know we may but um again absolutely thank you hero is the word
1: Yeah, I'm sure hopefully she's getting a lot of support. And um, again, she's really a hero when you think about what could have happened to other women. Uh, Dr. Bailey, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. We really appreciate it.
8: Thank you so much. Take care.
1: You too. Okay. So we know that Zuberi's uh, victim was a sex worker. The Gilgo Beach murder victims were also sex workers. And sadly, women who are escorts or prostitutes are often targets uh, in these situations. Uh, The stats are really interesting. It's estimated that 43% of all serial killing victims between 2009 and 2019 were sex workers. Another study puts it in this disturbing perspective. Uh, Being a prostitute This is a quote, increases your chance of being murdered by 60 to 100 times. I want to bring in Laura uh, Laura Lamoon, uh, a former sex worker, sex trafficking survivor, author and activist. She co-founded the Safe Night Access Project Seattle uh, to help protect street sex workers. Um, Thank you for being with us, Laura. It always frustrates me when these cases don't get taken seriously or police don't investigate these cases just because these women get written off as sex workers. So I'm glad that we're able to to cover this story and same with Gilgo Beach and that, that these guys are behind bars. Um, I feel bad that these women get in these dangerous situations. I mean, this is a job that you did. Did you ever find yourself in, in any peculiar dangerous situations?
9: Yeah. And thank you for having me and for um, allowing airtime for this issue. So I, uh, sex workers see all sorts of clients and we see everyone from every walk of life. There is no, um, uh, like example of a typical client that I could give you. Um, and I myself have had a lot of, uh, experienced a lot of violence in sex work. And I know a lot of other people, um, who have as well. and I think one of the biggest issues is uh, the criminalization of sex work, particularly prostitution, um, which doesn't allow us to really report any violent incidents or um, or even speak to anybody about or identify our profession to anyone really because it's illegal.
1: Yeah, I would imagine though if if you went to the police and said at least I would hope if you went and said, look, like, this guy tried to kill me and has a sex dungeon and I was, you know, there as a prostitute, like, hopefully, you would hope they would overlook the fact that you were there as a sex worker because, you know, what the guy was doing is so much more serious.
9: Yeah, and that's not the case. And police have not been the friends of sex workers for a long time. And, um, you know, there was a case in Oakland not that long ago um, where uh, an underage girl was sex trafficked by the police um, you know, and police, we can't trust them, you know, because uh, we're not looked at as valid human beings because the work that we do is illegal. Um, and then you add the stigma on top of that of being in the sex industry um and, you know, I know a lot of folks, and myself included, who've experienced violence from police directly, um, including rape, physical assault, other sorts of sexual assaults.
1: Yeah, it makes me think back to Gilgo Beach. The former chief there um, was accused of all sorts of situations like that um but i'm just curious like obviously i would imagine most sex workers know that these sickos are out there and they they probably know the dangers i mean i would almost like want to be armed if i did that kind of work or have like a plan or a gun or a stun gun or something i mean do do most sex workers like have sort of like an escape plan or do they carry a weapon or anything like that
9: Yeah, sex workers are extremely good at reading people uh, for obvious reasons because our survival depends on it. And we have to have good interpersonal skills. And, um, you know, we're extremely intelligent and have amazing uh, uh, survival skills just in general. Um, So, but that's not enough. You know, we
1: need protection. Did you ever have to like get out of a situation? Like, did you ever get yourself in a really scary one?
9: Yeah, uh, a number of years ago. So I I don't do the work anymore. But a number of years ago, uh, the last time I did do uh, prostitution, so full service sex work, um, I was raped and robbed. And I wasn't a uh, personally, I guess I could have theoretically gone to a hospital, gotten a rape kit, gotten um you know, Plan B and PEP and the whole thing. But I, I didn't feel comfortable, both in terms of the work being illegal and also the stigma associated with it and fearing being treated differently.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, like I said, at least these cases are getting attention because, um, you know, no woman obviously deserves to be in a dangerous situation um, like, like what we've seen or man for that matter. Uh, Laura Lamoon, uh, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. uh, But when we come back, we are hours away from an update on the Gilgo Beach, Long Island serial killer investigation. Police in Suffolk County planning a news conference in the morning. Of course, we're going to be all over that. But think about this the next time uh, you're in a car. The FBI is tracking hundreds, hundreds of homicides where the victims are killed or dumped besides the nation's highways and interstates. Who are the killers? Who are the victims? They're not truck drivers, by the way. You see trucks here. Most of the truck drivers are good guys, Uh, but it is happening on the highways, and we're going to investigate those alarming statistics coming up next. Well, could be a big day tomorrow on Long Island, 1030 in the morning. That is when the Suffolk County District Attorney will hold a news conference on the Gilgo Beach serial homicide investigation. As you know, uh, the suspect they have in custody is Rex Huerman, a family man who's lived most of his life just a few minutes from where the bodies of his alleged victims were buried. In fact, many of this country's most notorious serial killers did most of their killing very close to their homes. Dennis BTK Raider killed 10 people, all of them, in or near his hometown of Wichita, Kansas. Uh, John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer famously killed most of their victims inside their homes and kept most of their bodies uh, inside their houses, too. But homicide experts say there are serial killers literally everywhere in the country, and they do not all stay put. Listen to this FBI analyst on what they found from a high-altitude look at unsolved murders across the country
6: we started noticing within our database a number of bodies along the side of the road, victims kept coming up as prostitutes, specifically truck stop prostitutes, and one after another, our main suspects or confirmed offenders were identified as truck drivers. And so putting those pieces together, we started to say something's going on. We have an inordinate number of victims and offenders from this rather specific pool of the population so what's going on here what are we missing
1: 750 homicide victims found along america's highways 750 victims and that's in less than 20 years Let's make something clear. The FBI is not saying that all truck drivers are serial killers or that serial killers are truck drivers. In fact, uh, they go to lengths to say that the truck driving community is honorable and necessary profession. And oftentimes it actually is truck drivers. I've done these stories who report the suspicious behavior. They're really big in stopping human trafficking. They're the eyes out on the road. So this is not a dig on most truck drivers. Uh, But let's see that map again. You see here, FBI experts say this shows a pattern of victims and possible suspects that is unmistakable. There are so many bodies and so many possible suspects that the FBI created a special unit called the Highway Serial Killings Initiative. The bottom line is somebody is killing people along America's roads and interstates, and those murderers are on the move. I want to bring in Judge Mary Claire Akers. She sits on the 13th Judicial Circuit in West Virginia. She's a former prosecutor who focused on violent crimes and homicides. Thank you for being with us, Judge. It's interesting, like, this doesn't seem to get a lot of attention. The cluster... Um, serial killings are obviously the ones that make the headlines, but I didn't even realize this, that, that there were so many of these deaths along the highways.
6: I, we've known that for a long time, uh, actually in the law enforcement community that is. And in my former uh, career as a prosecutor, we saw that quite a bit here locally. I'm in Charleston, West Virginia. We've had several cases where we've, we find, uh, victims by the side of the road, um, or in high traffic areas where there are a lot of people and a lot of movement.
1: And that FBI analyst mentioned the, the sex workers component. Is that why you think these don't get as much coverage? Cause people just sort of write off the women if they're, if they're sex workers.
6: I don't think that's completely it. I think that a lot of times sex workers aren't honest with people that are close to them about what they're doing. Um, so it may be a while before people know that they're missing Uh, And it may be that a family member reports someone missing and it's just one person. So there are limited resources for finding just one person. It's when clusters of people start to appear deceased that have been murdered in similar or the same patterns when people start getting interested and focus starts coming in from all over the place because people are so interested in serial killers. I can't figure that out, but that's that's what people really get interested in. And that will draw resources and manpower and things that investigators need to really get these cases solved.
1: I would think that with all of the cameras now, the highway cameras and the red light cameras and people having dash cameras and police having cameras and everybody's got a camera. Like, I would think that that would really help with these problems on the highways involving uh, the, the murders. I mean, is that helping to, to solve more of them?
6: I think what what we saw in the past is. There are a lot of cameras. A lot of cameras are not high quality though. A lot of cameras are not going to catch the characteristics of someone's face. I think that also there's a massive amount of information now. Um, it isn't just a truck stop camera. It's a truck stop camera and five houses next to it that might have ring cameras. Uh, it's difficult to line up times when people were there, who all of the people were and what mm-hmm. the timeline was when they were there. I think, it, yeah, it's easier to tell, I guess, how many people were there. But I think really honing it down is still difficult for investigators.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You'd think that it's better because there's so many cameras, but then that just creates even more information to dig through. And you're right. I mean, you can't <laughs> see people's faces necessarily um, on the highway. Uh, Judge Mary Claire Akers, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. We really appreciate
6: it. Thank you.
1: Okay, we have to take a very, very quick break, but do not go anywhere. Another potential serial killer. This is a different case. This one operating in Portland, Oregon. Law enforcement uh, has a person of interest in custody. It turns out he was in custody before and you can see all the victims uh, right there. He was in custody before, but he was released ahead of schedule which has a lot of people outraged. We'll explain the details. Talk to a potential victim's family. That's coming up next.
0: Coming up next. If a baby is giggling in the backseat, they're probably happy. If a baby is crying in the backseat, they're probably hungry. But if a baby is sleeping in the back seat, will you remember they're even there? When you're distracted, stressed, or not usually the one who drives them, the chances of forgetting them in the back seat are much higher. It can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get in the habit of checking the back seat when you leave. <laughs> A message from Nitsa and the Ad Council.
4: My toddler got into my cleaning supplies. I might have taken too much medication. Do I need to go to the hospital?
9: When poison happens, poison help is here. We're the free
5: 24-7 hotline that answers your poison questions. With expert advice from local professionals, available at no charge in over 100 languages, make the right call in a poison
9: emergency. Call Poison Help. 1-800-222-1222.
5: Or visit poisonhelp.hrsa.gov.
0: Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver.
5: Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two.
0: If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn,
7: let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's our our safety. safety.
0: Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
7: My son, Ian, was diagnosed with a brain tumor at the age of 16 months. We had no hope until St. Jude rescued us. He's alive because of what St. Jude has done. He's here because of the doctors who came before, their blood, their sweat, their tears, the knowledge accumulated and shared you know, with everyone else around the world. This is how we help kids beat cancer all over.
8: Finding cures saving children. Learn more at stjude.org urgency
0: behind check When UC tried to slow me down I got lasting steroid-free remission with Renvoke check
6: the Supplemental Security Income Program provides monthly payments to help meet basic needs like putting food on the table paying the rent or buying new shoes for growing feet you may qualify if your income and financial resources are low and you are 65 or older or an adult or child with a disability or who is blind Call 1 800 772 1213 or go to slash SSI to start to apply. Produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer
5: expense. How's your drive to school?
4: Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and.
7: Let's try that again.
4: I turned my phone off right away. I never drive
0: distracted. Visit stoptechstoprex.org, A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Kids across
1: America are going to school hungry. Millions of kids every day.
5: But one simple thing can help change all of this for a hungry child in America. Good, healthy food and the energy it brings. With help from caring people across America, No Kid Hungry is providing healthy meals and hope to hungry kids so they can build better futures. To learn more about ending child hunger in America, go to helpnokidhungry.org today.
0: Thanks to generous community support, Wounded Warrior Project has helped post 9 11 veterans and their families since 2003. Through no-cost physical and mental health services, legislative advocacy, career assistance, and life skill
5: training, we're there every step of the journey. It's possible to feel understood. To get support when it's needed most.
9: And now I know anything is possible.
0: And we're just getting started. Learn more at WoundedWarriorProject.org slash possible. Did prison officials
1: release a serial killer into the public? That is the question everyone is asking in Portland, Oregon. Six women have been found dead in less than three months in secluded, wooded areas in Portland. Uh, The bodies were found within 100 miles of one another, and all of the victims were under the age of 40. They were found in discarded barns, On the side of the road, some were even hidden in bushes. Uh, Police say the number one person of interest is a man named Jesse Lee Calhoun, who you see there. Uh, He is in custody right now for a parole violation. He has a long rap sheet. 2003 and 2008 convictions for assault, sentenced to four years in 2019 for burglary. He was released early in July 2021 by then Oregon Governor uh, Kate Brown for having served as an inmate firefighter during the wildfire, uh, wildfires and to mitigate the spread of COVID 19 in prison. I never even heard of inmate firefighters. That's new to me. Uh, but a woman who claims to be Calhoun's girlfriend has linked him to at least two of the current victims. I'm joined now by sisters of one of the six women found in the Portland area. Uh, Ariel uh, Hamby and Robin Speaks are the sisters of Joanna Speaks. Uh, thank you both for, for being with me. I'm, I'm so sorry for, for what happened to your sister. Um, I can't even imagine what, what you all are going through. I mean, tell me, um, tell me about Joanna. What, what was she like?
4: She was vibrant and full of life, and she did things
10: her own way.
1: Yeah, you can. Te- she
10: definitely did. She was witty and sarcastic.
1: Yeah, you can tell in the pictures that she looked like she had uh, like just a, a great personality. Um, Robin, six women found within a hundred miles of each other. Police have linked four of the victims to the suspect. Do you have any indication if they're in the process of linking your sister to him? Um, is there any new information on that front?
4: Um, I do believe that they will link her eventually, um, even if it's different compared to what they find you know, or have found with the other girls. Um, we are working hard to find any you know, verified personal links, but um, we are already aware that Joe's been linked to the girls personally, so kind of just feels inevitable at this
1: point. Yeah, it makes sense. Ariel, um, is there anything um, that, like, connected your sister to this man that you know of? Why he may have, uh, you know, gone after her particularly?
10: From what I understand, he was a part of um, the demographic that she was in. Kind of that addiction. Um, She was houseless at the time. So I feel like they could have connected that way. Um, i don't think or know of anything that would create a target specifically on her, but who's to say at this point anything is possible
1: Robin, what do you make of i mean it's kind of startling that that he was let out of prison um, with that rap sheet, and then it's interesting the whole thing about let out early for being an inmate um, firefighter i mean that that's got to be. Make make you angry? I would imagine because because when he got out is when he, you know, killed all these women.
4: I mean, he hasn't been charged with anything specifically yet that I know of um, for any of the women.
1: Yeah, that's but, a good point. Yeah. You're accused? Yeah, that's 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 right. It
4: is it is not okay that somebody with a rap sheet as long as his is free to walk the streets. I mean, regardless of. Thank you for the help in the fires, but still he did the crime and he should have had to do the time that he was supposed to. And him being let out, regardless of whether or not he does end up getting charged with or found guilty of anything with these women, he went back for a reason and should have gone back prior to that I know of um, for a reason. He was breaking the law anyway, either way, after being let out. So yeah, it's, it's not okay that
1: he was just released. Have police given you any new information, Ariel, in terms of the investigation? Do they keep you updated? Is there anything new?
10: We talk to our detective pretty regularly, <laughs> at least once a week, sometimes every day. He's really good about keeping us updated on processing of certain evidence they have. Um, I don't have any specific updates other than He's basically implying that we're going in the right direction. So uh, I'm hopeful.
1: Robin, are you in contact with any of the other um, victims' families? Has has there been any sort of connection there made?
4: Yeah, we've been speaking with um, some of the moms of the other girls, and um, we try to keep in touch with them regularly and you know, help each other as far as any any new information or whatever, and kind of more just support through this whole thing.
1: Yeah, it, it's. I'm sure it's hard to be patient, um, Ariel. You know, but obviously, you know, it, this, these types of investigations take time. But I would imagine it, it's just it's got to be just awful waiting and and hoping that that they that they do come to some kind of resolution, that there's some kind of connection made. I, I would imagine that'll bring at least some kind of closure.
10: It would be a step in the right direction of closure. Um, I don't think we'll have that until we get a conviction, but it definitely gives us a little bit of hope that justice will be found for her. And we're not good at being patient. And thank goodness our detective is so willing to explain like procedures and timelines to us because it really makes us feel like we're being heard and we understand the process
1: yeah no thank goodness that you have a detective who keeps you in the loop like that and and again we we cover a lot of these stories that's always a frustration but unfortunately sometimes the wheels of justice do just turn really really slowly um Robin when was the last time you you talked to your sister what was your relationship like before this um, this awful thing happened
4: um it's been a while since I've actually talked to her in person we would message every once in a while uh, she reached out by message often to all of us um, but she kind of just kept to herself and she was part of the demographic that we talked about earlier you know she was she was a struggling addict and she was trying to get clean and she was trying to get into recovery and stuff so um, but with that whole thing I mean we kind of had we had boundaries because of that because we have families that we have to take care of. And
1: yeah, of course, <clears throat> when did you realize Ariel that, I mean, did, did you, was she just missing for a while and you had, were hopeful that, you know, as, as part of what she was going through, she was just not contacting you guys. I mean, when did you realize that something was really wrong?
10: When we got the phone call that they had found her dead Oof. is when we knew um, Unfortunately, she had been incarcerated from March 8th and she was let out on March 15th and the 16th was the last anyone had heard from her. And if we were used to her, you know, reaching out every other week, once a month. So it wasn't unusual that we hadn't heard from her. So it was a shock and still a lot to process when we got that phone call, I still don't think it feels real sometimes.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Well, Ariel and Robin, thank you for coming on. You know, I think everybody has someone in their family or a friend that struggles with addiction. um, And I think everybody can relate to that. And no one deserves to end up in a situation like your sister. Um, They're just as human as anybody else. So thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank
4: Thank you for having us.
1: Okay, we'll be right back after this.
2: to
1: nation. Hi, it's Frank from Access.
3: Imagine the feeling of a parent bringing home their child who has been suffering from a devastating illness or injury, and the parents wonder if things will ever be the same. That's where Welcome Home Angel steps in. They're a nonprofit 501c3 organization creating accessible living spaces and healthy, cheerful environments in which to live and recover. To learn if you're eligible for a makeover, to donate to these amazing families, or just get involved, visit welcomehomeangel.com.
0: Change a room, Change your life. We are the Veterans Health Administration and our hands provide life-changing care to over nine million veterans across more than twelve hundred facilities nationwide. Join hands with us to make an impact in your community. Learn more at VACareers.va.gov.
6: For my friend Luke.
0: For my mom, Paulette, and for my mom, Fine.
6: For my husband Helmet. Honor someone you love by learning the warning signs of stroke.
0: If you see face drooping, arm weakness, or speech difficulty, it's time to call 911. A stroke can happen to
1: anyone at any age. Be ready to spot a stroke fast.
6: Learn more from the American Stroke
8: Association at stroke.org. When it comes to a gun suicide attempt, all it takes is a moment.
9: My son, Ricky, took his life by the use of a firearm. It broke me, and I contemplated suicide. My grandson, I was going to have to be here for him. I still own my firearm. I keep it in a safe because I want to keep my grandson
4: and myself safe. Store your guns locked, unloaded, and away from ammo. Hear more safe stories at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. Babes, what are you doing? What? I'm just mowing the lawn. No, it's blazing hot and dry out here. Don't you remember? Smokey Bear says...
9: Avoid using power equipment when it's windy or dry. Where'd you learn this?
8: Oh, it's on...
9: SmokeyBear.com with many other wildfire prevention tips.
6: Right. Thanks, honey bear.
0: Because remember, only you can prevent
5: wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. I'm a pretty great multitasker. I can wash dishes and do laundry. I can roller skate while walking my dog. I can even order lunch while doing my homework. But I can't use my phone while driving. A distracted driver is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. So when it comes to driving, please, don't be a multitasker.
0: Don't drive distracted. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
2: Go to dealdash.com and see how much you can save. For people who are a little intense
4: about hydration.
0: What if one day you went to your secret hiding place and instead of what you came for, you found a phone number, 1-800-662-HELP. What would you do? Would you stop and give it some thought? Before drugs take their toll on you and your family, know that there is help you can quit for help with drug use call 1-800-662-HELP for free and confidential information and treatment referral or go to samhsa.gov slash know the risks
5: do you want to make a difference in your community volunteer with your local fire department operational and non-operational positions are available and training is provided anyone can be a volunteer you just need the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most When your community needs you, will you be there to answer the call? Learn more about volunteering at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org.
4: AM radio provides always on news, sports, talk, traffic, and weather reports. And it's also a vital service that provides important emergency information when your community needs it most. Tell Congress you need AM radio to stay in your car. Because when cell phones and the internet are down, this free emergency service is critical. And when you don't have electricity, radio in the car is often your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of
6: Broadcasters.
0: Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third-generation race car driver, and I dedicate a lot of my time going fast. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Visit alz.org slash time to talk, a message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council six
1: a man accused of breaking into a lake tahoe resort and fondling women's feet has been arrested mark anthony gonzalez is charged with two counts of burglary and two counts of battery according to a police report during the early morning hours early july an adult male entered two state line resort condos by opening unlocked doors once inside positioned himself at the foot of the bed and rubbed the feet of two separate women oh my gosh i hate for everybody to